When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tykey. Welcome in to Flagrant Howls, everyone's favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. I'm Phil. That's Kyle over there. And uh, we have a special guest on today's podcast. Let's waste no time here, my friend. This man guided the Timberwolves to back-to-back playoff appearances for the first time in almost 20 years. He lists Wedding Crashers and The Natural as two of his all-time favorite movies. And he loves a good blueberry pie. Chris Finch making his first appearance on Flagrant Howls. (laughs) Finch, what's going on? Well, that's, Ky- that's Kyle's genius uh, podcast naming abilities right there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just want to – Finch, we, uh, we appreciate you having you on. Um, I know it's draft day, so it's a little chaotic. We wanted to get the tough question out of the way now and then just kind of chop it up about hoops. But uh, I don't know if you saw this earlier this week. Former colleague of yours, Michael Malone, got a tattoo of the Nuggets logo holding the Larry O'Brien after they won the title. So if or I guess when you lead this team – to a title down the road, what are the chances that you would get some ink with a Timberwolves logo? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would be forever linked with the Timberwolves, which would be an amazing thing. Uh, but I don't think I would do it in any permanent fashion on my body. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, I have enough uh, ugly, ugly marks on my body. No one needs to see another one. So, uh, why don't you rank the top five ugly marks on your body, Chris Finch? Here we go. Let's get to know him really well. <laughs> How do you so we're just for the audience we are we are sitting here a few hours before the draft tonight so if if something chaotic happens um we'll probably keep this more like evergreen and and topical but as we've been sitting here the last couple of Chris uh Chris Paul gets traded a couple of days ago Bradley Beal gets dealt you had the Porzingis uh Tyus Jones three team trade how do you feel about rumor season yourself like are you are you like Kyle and I? Are you? Do you like refresh Twitter or social? Like, do you love or loathe NBA rumor season as a head coach? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, as you know, I don't have any um, social media. I'm not on social media. I don't. You know, I don't have the time for it to be honest with you. So, no burn. Your no burner accounts that you're going <laughs> to nope. get like no not Kevin Durant style where you've got a burner account. Nope. And if I did, obviously I wouldn't be telling you about it. But I <laughs> I don't have I don't have the time for it. Who has the time to follow that stuff? I mean, I get, so I say that I get a lot of the rumors or the, a lot of the transactions a little bit of a lag time. Of course, I stay up to date as best possible through everybody around me. But I'm not checking in all the time on it. Um, you know, as we all work in a in a, in a world where Oftentimes, you know, what the most intriguing thing about the NBA is literally 
the speculation about what can go on. I think that's what makes it unique. Uh, every, there's this all, fantasy GM element to it. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, natural, just like how it's because the basketball team is easy to look at it. It's easy to see, and it's easy to compute to say like, what would happen if this guy came and joined our team? Or what happened if we made this trade? So I think it all that feeds into the kind of the, the allure of the league. Uh, and it's good for the league. It drives interest in the league, you know, but 90% of these things never happen. So to get bogged down into it all, uh, you know, can be draining if you allow it to be. Chris, when you came in a couple of years ago and replaced Ryan prior to that, it didn't seem, it seemed like it was pretty normal for once the season was done for the guys to kind of go their separate ways. Uh, and they even, you know, still had Mayo Clinic Square at that time. But since you came in, it seems like there's been just kind of more of an organic emphasis on these guys sticking around, working out in the summers, being at the practice facility all summer. How big is that for what you're trying to build and kind of this program? Yeah, I think it's, it's incredibly um, important for, you know, the culture you're trying to build to, for the relationships you're trying to build between the team, the, uh, the player and the team and the market and the city and, and, you know, the, the, particularly in the off season where it's such an amazing place to live here. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's down to the guys, you know, they're, they're serious about their work. They have great relationships with our coaches. Um, you know, they, they, they are like working with each other in numbers. It's one thing I've known, noticed about a lot of, basketball players these days, they tend to like to work out in small groups. You know, it's a, a little bit of a social aspect to it. To it. Um, and, you know, when you have, you, you know, guys flying back in town to work out with each other, you know, it says that the, there's something going on here. Uh, I always believe that the building should kind of be the heartbeat of what it is we're doing, like should drive everything in the organization, just have this energy in the building all the time. Um, you know, people should be excited to go to work, whether it's on the business side or the basketball side. It's like, that's why you get involved and want to work for a team. Uh, you want to be part of something. You want to feel the energy around that team. And it's our job. And I, one of our big sayings is here, like, you're either giving energy or taking energy. Like, there's nothing in between. And right now we have our players and our coaches giving a lot of energy into this building. And it's starting to, you know, create some momentum around, um, you know, team chemistry, culture, young players gr growing up together, forming those bonds that help you have a, that special core, which every team really wants, you know, I, I, I love, I'm a sucker for culture talk. I just, I love I, a couple months ago for, for this podcast, I wound up Googling what is heat culture defined. <laughs> and I found a GQ article with Udonis Haslam, who's, you know, the, the OG of heat culture going back 20 years. And he and these, these are his own words. He defines heat culture as discipline, accountability, work ethic and enjoying somebody else's success. So I mean, I'm putting you on the spot here, but what like what words or phrases and you mentioned some of them. Do you want Wolves culture to be going? Yeah, forward? I mean, listen, I mean, um, not the pirate off. It's literally the same same things we preach, you know, all of that. Um, you know, the one thing I think that's really special in that is the enjoying others success. Uh, and when your best players are able to do that, you know, that really spreads the love, right? Like Anthony Edwards is, is a classic example of this. Like I've never really been around a young player uh, who gets his, you know, much attention profile, uh, publicity, et cetera, et cetera, uh, who really, really, really loves his teammates' success. You know, a lot of time, a lot of younger players, it's like everything – it's either always about them or they're super competitive and trying to prove themselves in a market with a lot of other young players, 
you know, earn a max deal, get to the all, all-star team, all these things that they're always trying to accomplish. And it feels, and that's part of just being a great competitor. Uh, but when you have someone like him who really spins the love off to his teammates, um, I think that's a special quality, you know. And then the other part, the coaching piece and the accountability piece and the, it's, you know, I'm only going to be as good as my ability or willingness to coach our best players. You know, that's just what it comes down to. Like if I um, am not on them or holding them accountable, uh, you know, then things can get loose in a hurry. And we have guys that allow me to do that. And we have guys that are highly coachable and mature in that way. Um, and therefore, like the rest of the, the roster kind of falls in line. You know, if, if you can coach Carl Anthony Towns and you can coach Rudy Gobert and you coach Anthony uh, Edwards really hard and necessarily at the right times to get on them and hold them accountable in front of others, then they start holding each other accountable and themselves accountable. And then that's how it goes. Your your coaching passport has a lot of stamps, not just like in the U.S., but you know, all over the world. How much like in 2023, I've always just kind of wanted to ask you, like, how much? is a head coach's job now just to manage personalities versus like X's and O's. Yeah. Um, well, a large part for sure, you know, is, is just managing personality, managing the rosters, um, setting the agenda, creating the environment, managing a staff. Like th- these are all, th- you're, you're kind of like a CEO of the team because of all the things that you are actually uh, overseeing or managing. We have very large staffs these days in the NBA uh, and I think they're necessary just because the players require such one-on-one attention. Either, you know, just that's kind of how people learn best these days. Uh, we get them so young. We need to, you know, we need to get them up to speed in a lot of different ways. And it's just that time and personal attention that is needed. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm fortunate to have a lot of really good X and O people on our staff as well. I mean, of course, it's all about X's and O's when we meet, game planning, executing, carrying out game plan adjustments, et cetera. But, you know, a large part of that is broken up into uh, specialization, like just like a football staff would be offensively, defensively. Uh, you know, Kevin Hansen handles our pick and rolls. E.T. handles our overall defensive philosophy. Uh, Pablo Prigioni handles a lot of our transition and flow game. Micah Nori handles our special situations and our a lot of our ATO uh, concepts. So those, like – that, that you know that way people have uh, you know ownership over something they can get into the weeds with it and and now the ideas just come at me nonstop from those guys you know out of those areas hey w- what does it say that anthony edwards in the biggest playoff games rises up and elevates his game is it is it too is it too small of a sample size to to say that he's a guy that does that or can or can we glean from from the small sample size I don't think it's too small of a sample size. Obviously we want to keep, we want to see it, you know, continue, you know, and that relies on us getting there and him being good once we do get there. Uh, But, but what I think we can say is real is a lot of, a lot of young players struggle early on in the career in the playoffs. And he just, he hasn't in that way. Um, You know, he's always had a sense for the moment. Uh, He has great confidence. That's, uh, you know, fueling him it's not a confidence that comes from an insecurity. A lot of guys, you know, will have feel super confident or act super confident, but ultimately they're insecure. And, 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 and as you get to that level, you know, the stakes get high and some guys just naturally need time to adjust to it. Um, but he's not been, you know, ever really, it's not really been a factor with him. 
And uh, the incredible thing is, like, really hasn't done a ton of winning in his life before he came to the NBA, you know. Um, played a lot of basketball, and he, he was a spectacular player in that. But he wasn't in a lot of, like, winning environments. They didn't necessarily win at Georgia. They didn't necessarily win in his high school. So, um, you know, so him, you know, finding these moments and excelling in these moments is, like, it's, it's deep within him. It's not something that was created from his basketball journey. Speaking of winning, you've been here just a handful of years, but you've already become the second most winning coach in Timberwolves history. What is something that you've been proud of in terms of like your growth as a coach? I mean, all these players have things they work on and get better at. What's like the thing you've been most proud of in a couple of years you've been here from like a coaching standpoint? Yeah, I guess um, I guess that we've been able to the thing I'm most proud of, I think, is that we just we've been able to kind of turn the corner here and and it feels like we have a team that. um People like to root for, they like to watch for the most part. Um, it's a team that, you know, we feel like we're laying a foundation with good young players, teaching them the right habits, playing in a lot of meaningful games. I think, you know, honestly, when you get these job opportunities in the league, a lot of them come out, come about because they're not the best opportunities, you know, like teams in a tough time or, or, or what have you. And so you got to kind of, you know, make, put it all together sometimes out of nothing. And uh, but that wasn't the case when I got here. There's a lot of good young talent and just being able to kind of pull that talent together and give them purpose and confidence and get out of their way and let them excel and grow. Those are the things I like take pride in the most. But we got a long way to go for sure. Um, But we feel like we have some momentum. Hey, do you uh, just kind of going down a side street here? Do you have hobbies? Like I I would imagine as an NBA coach, it's hard to do anything other than obsess about Especially when, hey, a year ago, we're going to try this this new uh, two big men experiment and go get it right. Like, do you yeah. like what do you do outside of just obsessing about basketball? Yeah, I mean, I, I try. To, I have a pretty balanced life. I mean, obviously, I I'm living the dream. I'm doing something that I've always wanted to do. So I don't think of it as a job. I don't think of it as something that occupies too much of my time. You know, uh, but I in the summer times, uh, you know, I. I like to fish, mostly saltwater, not not much up here in the freshwater. Uh, you know, bought a bought a boat, have it out on Lake Minnetonka. You know, get out there a number of times. You know, at least once a week, maybe twice a week in the afternoons. That's more of a swimming and uh, you know drinking platform than it is anything else. But uh, yeah, it's nice. Do, to do, do, ra- do random people like Wolves fans ever just run into you as your? I don't know. You got like a I'm koozie fine. in your hand on a on a pontoon. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes Finche, you know, Finche. <laughs> sometimes I get recognized and I get recognized more and more around town, which is all it's also nice because it means people care. They're paying attention. So one of the things I'm always blown away by, like covering a game or being in the arena is just how fast everything's going. So like you were talking about you're kind of like a CEO of the team right? with all those different things you have to manage and you have all your assistance. But I've always wanted to ask you specifically because you have big personalities on the team. How hard is it in the first quarter? when Ant's like spinning his finger, Rudy's spinning his finger and he wants you to review something for you to be like, I listen, man, like kind of got to weigh the options of, is this worth it right now? Yeah. You know, it's, you get a lot of pressure. You get a lot of, you know, sometimes you get a few comments sent your way, but you gotta, someone, someone once told me that uh, if you want to be a coach at this level, you got to do it with one eye open and one ear closed, you know, so, (laughs) uh, which is probably pretty good advice. Uh, no, I mean, we have a philosophy and we explain that philosophy to the team. Like, hey, this is what 
when it comes to challenges or when it comes to timeouts or when it comes to these types of things, we always communicate the why. It's the most important thing in coaching the modern era is the athlete needs to know why. You know, like they're gone are the days when, uh, you know, co- coaches just said things and players just did them. You know, you have to have buy-in. You have to have understanding. Um, I'm no longer the sole interpreter of what happens on the floor. Very smart people. Media has grown. People like yourself are watching. You're commenting. You're criticizing. You're suggesting. You're whatever. You know, so are so is the front office. So is ownership. So is everybody down the line. It's just way more clued in and educated uh, what's going on out there. So we clearly explain the why to everything that we do. Um, we'll take input. We don't always, you know, it's not a democracy, you know, I wasn't elected coach. So it's still like comes down to my decision here. And, uh, but I try to get these guys to buy in and at least understand what the purpose is. So in situations where we have potential conflict, like, or things are moving fast where I don't have a chance to always explain myself. Con- conflict. What do you mean? <laughs> what, what, by the way, what, like when you saw that happen, by the way, the, the punch, like what were, were you like dry? What, where were you when that happened? Like, did you look well, up? I was, and- the, I was in the huddle and it happened right over the top of my head. So oh, it was just, I, first thing I thought I was, thank God I didn't stand up a second too early. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like, like a wrestling match where the ref yeah. gets accidentally knocked out or something. Right. Is everyone, Rudy, Rudy was back. Is everyone, how would you I, characterize the chemistry and everything? Is everything cool? The chemistry on our team is is outstanding, and it always has been. Uh, I've said this multiple times, and many times I'll continue to say it about that incident. It's unfortunate. Uh, it's something not not something we're proud of. It's something that happens when you have highly competitive people trying to win the most important game of the season, uh, and two of our most mature leaders, who their job was to hold people accountable, uh, and they were trying to hold each other accountable. Having said all that, that was not built on any kind of bad blood. None whatsoever. There was no lead up to it. It's not like these guys didn't get along. If you go back several weeks prior, we have footage of Kyle planting a kiss on Rudy after Rudy. (laughs) This is a layup where he, you know, was fouled and Kyle was, you know, uh, had said something to him about finishing and, and, and didn't realize Rudy was fouled and then apologized to it. So, I mean, these, this big boy sports, right? This is what happens when competitive men go at it. Um, you see it in practice, you know, more often than, you know, it ever gets known. Um, but it's not it's not a residual f- effect of some kind of bad chemistry. We have a really good locker room here. I know we, we want to respect your time, and especially on the draft. But I just as it seems like, you know, this this core is back and they're all in the building and they're kind of looking forward to next season. Like, what are you most looking forward to for this upcoming season with these guys having everyone healthy and having everyone back? Yeah, that's the most important thing. I've just getting everybody healthy, uh, being able to kind of plan what we think we want to do in the summertime and then kind of bring it to fruition through a great training camp and, you know, uh, learn from what we did, what we were able to take away from last season with the, with the, the two big lineup and all the things that we feel like we're going to have a much better starting point. Um, that, that's what excites me most. Um, last season, in many ways, the further I get away from it, um, the more at peace I am with it. I thought, you know, given everything that happened and everything we had to fight through, finishing with a winning record, making the playoffs uh, for the second year in a row was really important. And it continued to, you know, we can say to ourselves, hey, like, yeah, we didn't maybe maximize expectations, but through injury, through a lot of other things that happened, through a big trade, all that, you know, we were still able to be super competitive play the champions as bad as best as anyone else has. And in doing all that, um, you know, keep us really hungry for the future. 
Yeah, we're uh, we're kind of the same way. At the beginning of the playoffs, I called the Nuggets a fake number one seed, and Kyle called them the Purdue of the NBA. And after two months of playoffs, we were both like, all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. I think that was, uh, in respect, retrospect, yeah. they were pretty good. They were pretty yeah. good, yep. Yeah, they're a very good team, very well constructed, very well coached, and all the pieces just fit together perfectly. Yep. Hey, thanks for taking time, Chris. We really appreciate yeah, it, Thank man. you, Coach. No problem. Enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your draft night and your time on Lake Minnetonka, and we'll do it again sometime. Okay, take care, guys. Take All care. right, Chris Finch, Minnesota Timberwolves head coach. All right, we'll say goodbye to Finchie here. Uh, Kyle, it's Mackie here, and a shout-out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples even. So I am an allergy sufferer, and it's uh, it's rough sometimes with – stuffy, runny nose. For me, it can be like dry, scratchy eyes, throat, even just feeling tired. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. Are you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief. Just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D or ask for Claritin D at your pharmacy counter. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. That's Claritin.com. Use as directed. Uh, have any other blockbuster trades happened in the last you know, 20 minutes since we've been talking to, to Finchie here? Or are we good? Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. They didn't, like, I, trade Carl or anything during those 20 minutes. I went on a full do not disturb mode because I was like, that's about the time. Like, hey, you get to interview Chris Finch. That's about the time my the, mom's going to call. hot take police are circling outside my <laughs> You know, so right I was now. like, no, mom, I can't answer. I'm talking to Finchie. Uh, no, I don't think anything else. Uh, it's going to be, not not to get into the weeds. I kind of want to get your reactions to Finchie there, too. But uh, I think the CBA is, as many people have kind of understood now, even though these teams don't have the entire book on it yet. They're starting to figure out that there's going to be financial ramifications coming down the road. So you're starting to see some of these big trades, like even the Beal thing, more information came out and it's like they got all these pick swaps and second round picks. So I would imagine even if the Wolves aren't maybe the the headliner later tonight on draft night, that they do some stuff, maybe get an extra second, maybe try to move into the late first. Um, but you're just seeing a lot of teams start to do what I've been stressing about these last couple of weeks is also reacting to their financial situations and having to like, Golden State shed a lot of money yeah. by getting rid of Jordan Poole to get Chris Paul. It's a, it's a win-now move, but uh, there's going to be some big ramifications of stuff that happens tonight. But what do you think about Finch? Yeah, and we'll re- whatever happens tonight, <laughs> we'll recap it. We, yep, if, it's, yep. if, it ri- if it's a Wolves thing that rises, we'll emergency episode, whatever. But, uh, yeah, let's jump into our Chris Finch post-game show here on Flagrant Howls. Um, I First of all, I love that he's – I'm just trying to envision him with, like, some sunscreen on his nose on a pontoon – Hopefully a Bennington pontoon from Power Lodge or Miller Marine. Hey, uh, just on Lake Minnetonka, just just chilling out, listening to some yacht rock or whatever whatever he's doing. I wanted I to ask loved... him what the boat's name was, but I didn't want to uh... like get a little too personal there because that yeah because you know, start it, yeah. tracking it. So I it's a good again good journalism in my mind, but I was like I'd love to know like is it just the Finchy <laughs> one or like what is it? We can we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out and put a crack research team <laughs> put a put a tracker on it. Um, I love I'm a sucker for culture talk, like mm-hmm. I said. Mm-hmm. So I love I love the way I kind of who, who who said it? I was I don't know. I was reading something the other day and and, you know, good teams are driven by coaches. Like when a coach leads a team, you can be a good team. But when when players lead a team, when it's like a philosophy or a culture, 
is instilled by coaches and front office. Like to me, that's kind of what heat culture is. It's like Pat Riley to Eric Spolstra going back 20 years. And then the players take pride in it, right? Mm -hmm. Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam. And now they're like obsessed with heat culture. And to me, that's the next step for the Timberwolves, whatever it is that Timberwolves culture is. And you can make all the jokes you want the last 20 years because Timberwolves culture has been a lot of bad things over the years. But I love the way he talks about building that. And I even catch myself. I agree with what he said, too. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't look to make changes. If the right trades, even blockbuster trades, come across the table, like they should consider making the team better and building around Anthony Edwards. But as you take a deep breath two months after the elimination from the playoffs, you do feel a little bit better with some separation. And it does feel like they're maybe building something here. And Anthony Edwards is a huge reason why the fact that he's coachable the fact that his teammates love him so all of that culture stuff kind of put in a stew i was just a sucker for that part of the interview and i was too and again we're very we're gonna be very pro finch right talking to him just a couple minutes earlier but i came back to just thinking about how i'm, I'm, I'm friends with some people that cover the nuggets and like there were many years during this run where those fans wanted mike malone fired yeah <laughs> right i mean I, golden I, state has had moments, even this year, I've seen, you know, as you go Warriors Twitter, like, where they wanted Steve Kerr fired. LeBron and Dwayne Wade, as rumored, you know, wanted Spo fired back in the day. Um, and those guys all kind of survived those storms, and that's how you get that consistency. That's how you kind of do build that culture. Firing the coach is the easiest thing you can do in sports because it's the quickest, probably least financially obligated one. Yeah. But sticking it through and having that, that CEO, right, as Finch kind of described it. I also thought it was really cool when he said that the longer he's taken to kind of absorb what happened last season, the the prouder he is or the more at peace he is. Uh, again, yes, no one is more aware than you and I of the 20, 30-year history of this franchise. But I do think it's actually kind of noteworthy that Finch has been here for, you know, essentially since COVID for a handful of years, and he's already the second most winningest coach. Like, they have gone to the playoffs back-to-back years. They haven't done much in those playoffs. And that's, I think the, the comment he made about still being hungry, but I mean, you know, when you look at it over the last 34 years, his track record kind of speaks for itself. So I'm excited to see that, you know, he's got things he wants to work on uh, that. He's excited to kind of get another shot with, with this core. And then just all the stuff he said about Ant and Jaden. I mean, he's been here pretty much since they were drafted. Yeah. So they're really, I mean, no offense to Ryan Saunders, but they're really the only coach, you know, he's only the coach that they've known. So, Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm excited. I'm glad that he was able to, to hop on the show. Well, I'm sure we'll have him back. Friend of the show now, but yeah. Does, I, does a guy have to be, I think, I think the rule for two? us uh, is two times. Once you come out, like Kevin O'Connell made his second appearance last week on Purple Daily, friend of the show. Okay, so, that's yeah. fair. We'll, we'll uh, this next one, we'll just live stream from the boat. Yeah, that's a good call. I think you're onto something there. A couple koozies, a couple flagrant howls, koozies in hand. I mean, my um, wife just left. The, I told her she had to leave so I could do this interview. I mean, I would probably rather have a beer with Chris Finch than get married. So, uh, and I've already, <laughs> already done that. So, uh, we'll put that one out there for kind of the next white whale is can we get a beer with Chris Finch? But yeah, good stuff. And again, he he does show you, you know, that in those comments, we're not having social media and stuff. Like, he is pretty, you know, pro- not protected. That's the wrong word, but he is pretty insulated to just not hearing what people like you and I have to say. And you also yeah, need that hey, too. You got to have I, I've been. Skin. I, I was critical a couple times. I don't I don't like to ever. I mean, it's happened before. You can probably find recordings of me calling for <laughs> coaches' heads. Let's not lie, but like, I might call Carl Anthony Towns a clown about uh, six times in the post game show after they blew that twenty six point lead to the to the Grizzlies. But 
I had questions, and you know, I mean, the Timberwolves have a lot to prove here still. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I, I've always wondered a little bit when they start to go off the rails or they start to, you know, you see the the punch that we talked about with him, and I loved his answer to that too. And he's not afraid. He's not afraid to answer questions about stuff. Which that's is what cool. that was cool. Yeah. Um, but I've always wondered he is a brilliant X's and O's offensive coordinator mind, but there's a whole nother level to being the culture setter and like to really push that thing over the top. But the way that he articulates his vision when it comes to organizational building and team building, I think if you're a fan and you hear what he just told us, I think you should feel more. Com- I think you should come away more comfortable with Chris Finch if you were uncomfortable yep. than maybe a half hour ago. I yep. guess is what I'm trying and, to say. And again, his Wikipedia page and my comment about his uh, coaching passport, like he's cut his teeth in some areas of the of the world that are oh, yeah. difficult. Um, and that's why, and people that listen to this show or listen to me on other stuff, like that's been my one thing that I go back to. It's like, I didn't love Finch doing that on a Tuesday night. I didn't love Finch running this rotation for a couple of weeks, but it always came back to in 2023. I think you got to manage the personalities as much, if not more than you got to have the best ATOs and the best, you know, defensive schemes. And anyone you talk to says that no matter what you think about this team, he's never like even remotely lost that locker room. And he has a firm control over that. There's some, kind of cool video from a couple of months ago where Ant was like wanted to say something at the end of a speech that Finch gave, but he like kind of asked him permission. Uh, it just, it was a, it was a little, little thing into like that relationship. And I think that Respect, relationship yeah. is one of the most, if not maybe the most important thing the Wolves have going is how Ant and Finch work together. Cause yeah. they're probably two of the biggest kind of pieces in this chessboard. So yeah, came away with that pretty impressed by, by Finch. He's not afraid to answer things and also good that he like mixes in, uh, grass and fresh air because I don't think uh, Tom Thibodeau ever mixed in any of those things to his uh his no, lifestyle he, diet. He would mix in like a Skyway walk to Murray's or something or yeah. or Manny's and that yeah. or maybe not. Maybe it was just he just back. It, it could have been delivery. I don't know for sure. Yeah, it sounds like he has a little bit more balance in his life. So by the way, Mike Malone, eighth year as the Nuggets coach. Okay, and I think if you look at the arc of when coaches usually get fired. And they were winning enough in the regular season. They actually, it's funny uh, that 17, 18 wasn't the, the Nuggets. That's who the Wolves beat in, in the game, uh, game too, AJ, yep. right? Yep. And the Nuggets were a 46 win non playoff team that year. So that was, that was now the third year into Mike Malone's career. They went from 33, 40 to 46, but no playoffs. And then uh, the next few years, so they got to the playoffs three years. They went to the second round a couple times, Western Conference Finals. In the, I think that was the bubble year, right? They went to the Western Conference Finals. But the, so, so seven years or six years of playoffs, and then back to the first round and done a year ago. Yep. And I feel like, and Connolly left, yep. right? Like that's usually where, okay, we maybe the arc, maybe it peaked and now we're coming back down the hill. And organizations would look to make ch- even major changes. They weren't looking to get rid of Connolly. He left for the Wolves because they doubled his paycheck, but they stuck with him. They stuck with him. So I think there is a there is a time and a place to make a change in sports. I also feel like largely in sports, fans and media and organizations are way too impatient and bloodthirsty. And it just yeah. puts you into a spin cycle as a team. So and, and another I year get, of Finch is not yeah. the is not the worst thing, Timberwolves fans. And I get that. I'm part of that too, right? Like I'm already like refreshing my phone, like, okay, what's the next trade? What's the next trade? It's like, dude, there's been a lot of activity today for you to digest. Uh yeah, it just calm down. Yeah. Right. Just relax, guy. But I also think too, and I've 
I've thought about this because of when I, I looked this up the other day when Mayo Clinic Square was built and thinking about a new stadium down the road or whatever. But a handful of years ago, practice facilities weren't maybe as popular as they are now. Not a lot of teams had them. And that was like college sports too, right? Like that was one of the ways that you could differentiate yourself from other franchises was having a place for these young 18 to 32 year olds just to kind of come in and hang out and be insulated and work on their game. And they had it prior to Finch being here. But now it's like like the, the Wolves posted this week. Everyone's there. Yeah, Maybe at different cool. times, but having all those guys there, that's that's important because as this team would go 20 and 62 every year, those guys, as soon as Game 82 was done, they were on planes to 15 different cities across the country. So yeah, good stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm glad we could have them on. We'll have them on again. Yes, we do have time for Kyle's question of the week here. If you <laughs> three weeks running, if you want to, yeah. Well, I just want so I, I wanted to ask this when it was fresh on my mind, but it's still pretty good now. I just had a general question that opens up a bigger conversation for you. Do you you travel a little bit? Do you have like a plane outfit? Like, do you have kind of like Ooh. a like stuff you maybe not specific one outfit, but like stuff you like to wear? Like, I got to make sure I wear that when I'm traveling and flying. Yeah, it's a Batman costume actually. So I just. <laughs> I just, I don't even, I don't speak. I just walk to my seat quietly, methodically. Uh, I do. Yeah, I actually, I actually wear pretty much the same thing on every single flight, unless it's a work trip or something. And I'm, it's like mm-hmm. flying into a city and then there's like a meeting or something you have to be at. Then I'll maybe class it up a little bit. But I have, do you want me to say like brands too? Like I can get well, really specific. I've you got do some, as specific I, well, as you want. I have a follow up, but you go. Take the, take the uh, usually uh, well, black sweatpants or joggers of okay. any kind, and then usually a pair of either Allbird or Nike, uh, oh, like good. just athletic shoes that are comfortable mm-hmm. to walk because you're going to walk like 5,000 steps in an airport. And then ordinarily, I will go because sometimes you never know if it's going to be too cold or hot on a plane. If you're on the tarmac in Phoenix, for instance, like you might, mm-hmm. you might get yep. a little sweaty if you're out there for three minutes. So I like to do. Uh, a thin long sleeve shirt that I can wear on the plane or in the airport. And then I'll bring like a hooded sweatshirt or something and stuff it in my backpack. So, yeah. okay. So and I don't ask because my bald head gets cold. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hats are look at me. <laughs> I, I only ask because sometimes my wife is like, why are you wearing that again? And I'm well aware that not everyone that's flying or everyone in this world is a sports fan. But I'm kind of like, if I became president, I would institute a rule where everyone has to wear like some sort of team gear. Cause there's nothing better for me than like walking around an airport, like across the country and like seeing someone in a Vikings hat or seeing, are you in looking a... for conversation starters with people? I, or... uh, yeah. And again, there See, are I'm looking a to lot avoid of conversation on the airport. Okay. So there's a lot of headphones in. Don't talk to me. Even unless if I have my headphones out, then maybe you're welcome to say uh, something. Yeah. I'm not like running up to them. Like I'm a, you know, a government press official trying to get them to answer things, but it just also warms my heart. Like if I'm in the Atlanta airport and I see someone with a, a purple daily sweatshirt on or like a Vikings hat or a, God forbid a Timberwolves polo. So I try to wear like team, not again, as a fan of all Minnesota teams, I try to wear like team specific stuff and my wife thinks I'm crazy. So I don't think you're wearing team specific. So stuff, what, you're just like wearing a Doug Minkiewicz twins Jersey through the airport. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's yeah. It's just, yeah. It's like my, uh, it's my Luke Ridenour Jersey that I wear with a sweatshirt mm. underneath so I can no, have layers. no undershirt, just showing the guns with the Luke Ridenour. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So I had to ask it. I'll have a better question for next week, but uh, I was going to ask Finch too if he had a if he had an outfit, but maybe next time. Oh, we'll get him on one more time so he can be a friend of the show here and uh, make it official. But all right, let's post this thing in case something crazy happens. NBA draft. Let's get it's it. NBA draft night. The Wolves may or may not do something crazy. By the time you listen to this, something crazy may or may not have had happened. 
Uh, so we'll either do an emergency episode if something crazy happens, mm-hmm. or we'll see you guys probably early to mid next week here on Flagrant House. Please click subscribe and the like button on the Score North YouTube channel so we can grow the brand, hashtag brand. And uh, <laughs> if you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts, it also helps spread the word. You even bring logoed pint glasses with you wherever you go. Anything to, to start a conversation. All right, he's Kyle. I'm Phil. Thanks for hanging out with us here on Flagrant Howls.